Before we get started today, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, we pray as we open your word and as we talk about the things for tonight that they'll be helpful to us. Help us with the uh, long day that many of us have had to be uh, strengthened physically to take in uh, this tonight. And uh, we pray that it'll be a profit to us, a blessing to us, and that uh, it'll be something that strengthens our faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right. Uh, You can be turning to Matthew chapter 5. While you're turning to Matthew 5, I'll say a couple of things. One is I know that some of you uh, were involved in either attending the youth rally or taking people to attend the youth rally. And I know that it's been a long day. Um, it's, uh, Allie and I got up early this morning to come down. Uh, we've had our, our um, long day, but it was a good long day of enjoyment. And um, so we'll try to uh, strengthen ourselves during this session. And uh, Lord willing, it'll be a, a blessing to us as we look at the word together. So Matthew 5, and let's look down at verse 18 verse that I know uh, that we know assuredly I say to you says the Lord Jesus till heaven and earth pass away one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled the Lord Jesus now making reference to the written scriptures and saying the written scriptures shall not fail in fact not even a part of a letter will fail until all is fulfilled in what it says. And what I'd like to talk about this evening is the reliable transmission of the scriptures to us today. In other words, what I'm going to try to talk about is this. We hold in our hands the Bible. Now, the question is, if the Bible was written 2,000 years ago or more from parts of the Bible, the question comes up then, How do we know that what we are holding on our hands is actually what the original writers wrote? Now, that's an interesting question because uh, more and more uh, Islam is making its face known in the United States. Uh, It's happening where I live. It's probably happening here because it's happening a lot of places. You will, as you go on in life uh, and, and witness for the Lord Jesus, you will more and more find that you're talking to people who have a Muslim background. Now, the things that are written in the Quran, are there many of them are contradictory to what is written in the Bible. However, in the Quran is a state, a few, there are a few statements, uh, for instance, uh, indicating positive things about Jesus. There are a few statements that indicate positive things about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that these Gospels should be uh, read, they should be studied by uh, a good Muslim. Well, this is a little tricky, because if the Muslims regard Jesus positively, they would not now, they don't believe that he is God or the Son of God, they, they say, well, he was just a prophet. But nonetheless, they regard him positively. They do say he's a prophet. And if they, in their own Quran, have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John revered, 
then what do they do when they start reading statements in the Bible spoken by the Lord, recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that is different from what they have in their Quran? What do they do when they read things in the Bible that contradict what their religion teaches? Well, the answer is simple. They have one weapon which can be pulled out at any time which can never fail. Wouldn't you like to get a hold of this weapon in an argument? You will never lose an argument with this weapon. And they'll pull it out at any time they're cornered. They can pull out this weapon and they will win the argument. Now you want to know what it is, right? Okay, here's what they say. When you say, wait a minute, if you regard Jesus as a prophet, why don't you listen to what he says when he says this in his word? The never fail argument is this one. That's not what he said. Well, what do you mean it's not what he said? Here, no, no, no. That is a corrupted Bible. You don't have the real Bible because Jesus didn't say that. He would have never said that. How do you know he wouldn't say that? Because it contradicts what we have in our Quran. That's how we know he wouldn't have said that. What has happened is the Christian church has gotten together and corrupted the Bible so that what you are reading today is not what was originally written. They will say what you're reading today is, in fact, a corruption, a fraud, and an invention of the Christian church. Now, you can see then how this is a never-fail argument. Because what can you present to them if every time it, it, it contradicts what they believe, they say, but that's not what he really said. In other words, if this Bible is not the reliable word of God, we have nothing, do, don't we? If the book that we hold in our hands is not the reliable word of God, we have nothing. And um, the question as to whether or not we are holding the genuine word of God is a big question. And what I'm going to talk about tonight is not the entire question. What I'm going to talk about tonight is one aspect of it, and that is this. Is what we have today, in fact, what the original writers wrote? That's all we're going to take, take on today. We're not going to take on everything that could be discussed and argued about the Word of God. So, that's the, that's the, the problem. Are they correct? And it's not just the Muslims. It's an interesting question for all of us, even if we don't witness to Muslims uh, uh, in, in our area. Are they correct? Is there a case that can be made to argue why this could not have happened? In other words, is there a case that can be made to argue why it is impossible that the Christian church committed fraud? This is what they say some hundreds of years after it was written. The Christian church got together and rewrote what they wanted it to say. And that's what we're reading today. All right. Well, in order to do it, I have a, a board here. How did we get our Bible anyway? Well, let's take one book of the Bible. Let's say it's the book of John. Now, at some point, it was originally written. So let's put it up here. There we go. That's the book of John. Now, if you're really studying the subject of how we got our Bible, you would call this original copy the autograph. Don't worry about it. We're just It's the original. We'll just say that. There was an original copy written. Well, what happened then? It didn't go to the printing press because they didn't have the printing press at that time. 
Are you happy or sad that they don't have, didn't have a printing press at that time? Well, you might think it would have made matters a lot easier if they had a printing press, but I want you to think about this. If they tried to put it and print it somewhere, if the copy that they had to print somehow had a mistake in it, what would happen to that mistake? It would be propagated thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Well, they didn't have a printing press back then, and thank the Lord that they didn't. So what happened is it had to be copied and copied by hand. That was the only way. So how did we get our Bible? Well, it started with human copying. Obviously, it started with the original. So let's draw it in. We've got a copy made, and another copy made, another copy made. From these copies, other copies were made. It's going to be a long process here. All right, what happened with those copies? Somebody got to catch on here, right? More copies were made. All right, yeah, we keep going. All right, so. They're looking like D's instead of boxes after a while. Um, all right. And we've got lots of little copies. You try this sometime really fast. It's not as easy as it looks here. Okay. Uh, well, and uh, that's, well, how copies were transmitted. Now, you might think, well, it would have been a whole lot easier to have a printing press. Now, the problem is, suppose at some point there was a mistake made. Now, I know red does not show up well on whiteboards, so the people in the back, I'm going to draw in red, and you're going to think I drew nothing. But suppose somebody copying here made a mistake. And listen, the, the people copying are not divinely inspired. And if you have any doubt about that, why don't you start copying some pages of Scripture today and see if you do it flawlessly? And it's, you can imagine, right, somebody late at night with a little candle and so on and writing and starting to fall asleep and they, they get to the end of one line and then they start to write the next line and they look down and they look at one line down a little further, right? It can happen or something like that. Uh, ate something wrong that night, something's messing up in their stomach, their head's affected and they end up writing a, a word incorrectly. You can imagine something like that happens. Now... If a mistake happened on this copy here, what would happen to that mistake? Well, it would infect the subsequent copies that are copied from that copy. Right? But the good news is it doesn't affect anything else. And that's the, the oh, I was going to say the magic. That's not good. That is, that's the wonder of the means by which the word of God was transmitted and, and down through the generations. The hand copying, the bad news is it's easier to make a mistake than on a printing press. The good news is when you do make a mistake, it is not then automatically replicated thousands of times. It only affects uh, a local area, that copy and the copies copied from it. So... 
if you had all of these copies and you looked and you saw that this one and these two read differently from the others, what could you easily do? This is, how many here work with computers at all? Any, anything to do with computers if you, okay. Uh, you've heard of something called error correcting code? Anything like that? It's, uh, in computer systems, if you can build in a certain amount of redundancy, it will actually be able to correct itself as it goes along. If there's a little, something gets corrupted, it'll figure out what was corrupted and correct it along the way. Well, it's, this is a similar idea. In other words, you would be able to tell, well, yes, this is the one that was corrupted and these two were corrupted as a result of it. Well, what do we have today, though? The picture I have on the board is no doubt how it was transmitted. I mean, copies are only going to be copied from other copies and they had to eventually come from the original. So the picture on the board is the right picture. The question now is, what do we have today? Do we have the picture on the board today? Well, let's start with the top. Do we have the original copy of John? No, we don't. What we have today, I'm going to put on the board. I need a little eraser here. What we have today looks more like this. First, I'm going to take away all these little connecting rods. And then I'm going to take away lots of the copies. I'm definitely going to take the original away. There. That's what we have today. Now, does this make you feel more or less comfortable in your Christian faith? Well, let's think about it for a little bit. The question now is, given what we have today, which are copies of the Bible that were copied by hand, given what we have today, can we reliably figure out what the original was? So now I'm going to put the original back up, only this time I'm going to put it in dotted lines. Not having the original in hand, could you, with the copies we have, recreate the original? Well, let me ask you this. The Declaration of Independence, does it exist, the original one, or not? It does. It's in Washington, D.C. If tonight the Declaration of Independence were destroyed or that national treasure was stolen somehow and destroyed, could we reliably figure out still what the Declaration of Independence said? You could, without having the original. How could you? You have plenty of copies of it, and these can be compared and so on, right? Well, the same idea is true. In other words, just because we don't have the original does not mean we don't know what the original said. right? Now, let's look at this. We have copies, and the copies are of different time periods. Uh, let's uh, note a couple of things. First of all, that tree that was up originally, what did that tree look like? It looked like, yeah, tree and branches. It reminded you of something else you see, kind of like a family tree, right? Where you have a parent and child and child becomes a parent of another child and so on. 
All right, you want to think about copies of scriptures like that, but what you have to remember is that the generations can be really, really long. Now, right? So in a family tree, the generations can only be so long, but you could actually have a copy of a copy that's 200 years old. So there might not need to be that many steps to get down to uh, the time the printing press really was invented. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other to keep in, thing to keep in mind is, what about these copies that we have? How many do we have, first of all? And let's take the New Testament. For the New Testament, how many of these copies are out there for us to do comparisons with? How many would be a reasonable number? I'll give you some numbers to think about. Uh, when it comes to writings of people of that time, take the writings of Aristotle. Take the writings of Herodotus. Now, don't ask me who he is. I don't know these things, but apparently he wrote some things. Uh, how many copies of those remain for us to understand what they originally wrote? A handful is suggested, and that's correct. Uh, less than 10 and for uh, other writings of that time, definitely less than 15 at the most. And yet, with around 10, give or take a few, copies, and these copies are actually copies that were copied several hundred years after the original was written. Uh, with these copies, you don't have professors in the university saying, you know, we really don't know what Aristotle originally said. Nobody says that. Or they don't go around saying, well, we, we have some copies, but we have no idea what Herodotus really wrote. They don't say that at all. They, they have the evidence, and they're able to compare these 10, 15, sometimes five or six copies, and they say, we know what they wrote. Well, what is the state with the scriptures with the New Testament? How many do we have? Oops. 5,000 of them. And that's in Greek. There's another 3,000 in Latin because early on the New Testament is translated into Latin, so there are copies of the translation as well. And then there are some other languages we, we won't put up now. Now, I want you to think about this. Thousands and thousands of them. Now, where were they found? Well, the great news is they weren't found in all in one location. They're found spread over three continents, they're found in libraries. They're found in people's kitchens. They're found in, in uh, the buildings, general buildings here and there. In other words, they weren't found in any one location. Now, this is important to remember. So, how do we get the original? Well, it's, it's a little game. And uh, basically, you can think of it like voting. In other words... All of these copies are voting, and they're voting what the original said. So, for the book of John, now it's written in Greek, but we're going to do it in English, just to, so we go stay sane. Okay, they're all going to vote word by word. So, you're going to figure out what the original John said, and you look at these copies, and you say, all right, what is the first word in the book of John? Let's take a vote. And all these little manuscripts, all these copies, they all vote. And you say, what do you say? In. And you? In. 
in, 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 in. Five thousand of them all vote that the next, the first word is in. What do you think the first word was in the original? Probably in. All right, next word. Let's have a vote. The, 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 Beginning, 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 the, 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 the. What you have is 4,997 say the next word is the. Three say the next word is beginning. So now you have a split vote. Is it in the or is it in beginning? Well, all of these others that said it was in the, the next word is beginning. So now you have to have a choice. Now, was the original in the beginning or was the original in beginning? And your vote is 4,997 to 3. And these three you actually know from their locality that these came from that one. It's not like these three were spread out. So you have copies that are found in this part of the world that say in the beginning, copies that are found in this part of the world that say in the beginning, copies in some woman's kitchen that are found in a house say in the beginning, copies in a library down in Egypt say in the beginning, copies, they're all saying in the beginning, except these three copies say in beginning. Is there any doubt in the vote? No, there's no doubt in the vote. What's being said in the original is in the beginning. And you see how a vote like this takes place, in which, way, in which case we can figure out what was in the original. Now, are there ever cases where the vote is not obvious? The answer is very, very few. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I, I want to continue on and, and mention that I had a conversation one time with a Muslim fellow, and uh, we were talking about the Bible, and he said his usual answer to things, ah, but that book has been corrupted. That's not what Jesus really said. I said, you know, there are good arguments, good reasonings for why we know that the Bible has not been corrupted. He said, no, 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 somebody got a hold of the Bible, that is the Christian church, and they changed the Bible to say what they wanted it to say. Now, I said, well, no, it's, there's strong reason why we know that that didn't happen. Well, this fellow had four questions for me, and we're gonna t this is what we're going to do for the, the tonight. We're going to handle these four questions. He had four questions to make me look bad and to make the Bible look bad. And here were his questions. The first one was, do you have the originals to the Bible? Do you have it? And I had to kind of hang my head down and say, um, no, we don't have the originals. We have the originals for the Quran. Next objection was, do the copies, these copies that you have, do you have 100% agreement in all of those copies? Do they agree 100%? And I kind of shrunk down a little bit more and said, 
uh, no. So we do. We have 100% agreement. He said, do you have a means of what we call, would call traceability? In other words, do you have recorded on each copy what copy it came from? And, and on each of the copies it came from, what copy it came from right up to the original? In other words, given any copy, can you trace its, its parents all the way up to the original? I sunk down a little further and said, no. And then he said, tell me, was there a system in place through the centuries, a system in place whereby a corrupted uh, uh, copy would be sure to be destroyed so that it would not infect any other copies? said, well, no, I don't know of any such system like that. said, the Quran has all of these. Your Bible has none of them. How do you, and you say your Bible has not been corrupted. I stand by what I said before, that Christians got a hold of the Bible and changed it to say what they wanted it to say. Ah, how you feeling? These four questions that I was asked are very, very important questions. And listen, it's going to shock you, but I'm going to show you how. It will shock you. Be thankful that the answer to every one of those is no. Because it strengthens our belief and faith in the scriptures that they're answered no. And I'm going to explain why. If any of those was answered yes, you would have less confidence that we're holding the word of God. In other words, God knew exactly what he was doing. We want, let's go through them one at a time, and I'm going to show you why it is that we can be thankful that the Bible was transmitted exactly as it was. And by the end of it, I think you're going to find out that you could not devise a better scheme for getting us the word of God today than God used in history. Okay, let's, let's do it. Okay. First objection, do you have the original? No, we don't. Does that make you more confident or less confident that you hold the unadulterated, unmolested, untampered with word of God? What would make you more comfortable? That we have the original or that we don't have the original? Hmm. 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 Tricky, isn't it? It is. It is tricky, isn't it? If we had the original, what would we really have? What we would really have is not the original, but a claim that something is the original. Because if somebody said, yes, the original, it's housed in a museum somewhere in England or somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere in some you know, museum somewhere, that's where the original is housed. You know, it only needs to creep into our mind. Wait a minute. How do I know that's the original and that that wasn't a molested copy? And the answer would be what? We don't know. And you go to the museum and you say, how do I know that's the original and it's not some fraudulent copy from many, many centuries ago? And they're going to go, no, no, no. Nobody can commit fraud on this because uh, we've had it watched 
from 10 independent parties, 24 hours a day. There's been a cycle and everything, so it was never left in the hands of any. This has been going on since the 1800s. I mean, we've had around the clock people coming in to do nothing but watch and watch the other 10 people who are watching them make sure nobody changes what's on that document. You know what you then say? Yeah, and what about before the mid-1800s? In other words, if somebody said we have the original, you and I today really would have no confidence that that was the original and that it wasn't some copy made, uh, uh, um, a, a fraud made, say in the year five or 600, that they're now saying is the original. Do you see how little you'd have to go on if somebody claimed they had the original today? Thank the Lord that we don't have the original because I want you to think, if there was an original out there that everybody agreed and revered as the original, what would somebody have to do? They would just have to get a hold of that original, a couple of people sneak behind a curtain somewhere, take a scissors and cut out what they didn't like, or maybe add in what they wanted, come back from around the curtain and say, oh yes, our original is right here, and this is what it says. And who would be able to catch them at the game? I don't know that anybody would be able to catch them at the game. Contrast that with the way it's done, with the way God allowed it to be done in history. Now, let's say you're the, uh, let's say you're king of uh, what's revered as some church body uh, in the year five or six hundred, and you decide you want to commit fraud. You decide you want to change the Bible to say what you want it to say. How are you going to do it? How are you doing? I mean, what you would have to do is you would have to get a hold of all these copies, make those changes to all these copies. How are you even going to find them? You're going to have to go over different continents. You're going to have to somehow magically know, oh, yeah, uh, this one is in somebody's kitchen over here. And there's one hidden in a library over there. Maybe I could have figured that much out. And then there's one actually buried underneath some city that was conquered over here. I need to go dig that out, change that, and then rebury it. I'm gonna, you understand that you couldn't do it. In other words, God has forced it to where it could not have centralized control. In other words, no group or person had control over it during the times of history. If there were an original, it would automatically mean somebody had control over it. But the way God had it done, nobody has control and if anybody tried to commit fraud, it would they would have to somehow know where all these copies were, make the changes, and then rebury some of them because some of them weren't discovered until much, much later. You say, well, that can't happen. So do you have the originals? Be thankful that the answer is no. And if there were an original, or at least what people revered as an original, it would be used as a sledgehammer to wipe out all competing copies. Oh, well, that's not the original, right? And it would be easy to commit fraud. No, we don't have the originals. What about the second question that he asked? Okay, the copies that you have, is there 100% agreement? Well, first of all, is there 100% agreement? Now, how about in the little picture on the board where I... I said, well, suppose somebody made a mistake here and it gets propagated there. On the board, is there 100% agreement? No. In real life, 
is there 100% agreement in these copies? Turns out not 100%. It's extremely close, but it isn't 100%. Now, would it make you more comfortable or less comfortable if all of the copies agreed 100%? Before you answer the question, let me tell you about a vote. Remember, these copies are like votes, right? They're voting on what the original said. And you might think, well, maybe some earlier copiers get an extra heavy vote or something. But anyway, when there was an election held in Iraq, now this is not one of the recent democratic elections. This is back when Saddam Hussein was in power. When Saddam Hussein was in power, he held an election. And after the election and all the votes were tabulated, he came out and made an announcement about the election. You know what the announcement was? I have received 100% of the votes. Does that statement sound like a true statement to you? Or does that statement sound like there was some manipulation done to achieve that end? Manipulation either that people were voting at the end of a shotgun or manipulation in that however the vote turned out, the vote counters got behind the curtain, tabulated the results, wrote 100, came back and said, look, Mr. Hussein, you got 100% of the votes. Ah, yes, I'll go out and announce it. When he said, I received 100% of the votes, does that sound like fraud was committed or does that sound like, oh, no, that's reasonable, yeah. If all of the manuscripts agreed 100% through 5,000 of them, through all kinds of human copiers, what would you suspect happened? You would suspect at some point in history there was a purging process, right? In fact, the Quran, they say they have 100% agreement on their manuscripts. Yeah. If you destroy every copy that doesn't agree with what you're going to consider the original one, I guess you can get 100% agreement. It bears the fingerprint of authenticity that although there is extremely good agreement, it's not 100% in all of the copies. Objection number three. Do you have a system of traceability? That is... Every copy has a, there's some registration, some pedigree or something like that, where you know that this one came from that, that came from that, that came from that, that came from the original. In other words, is it all documented in one big system? The answer is no. Now, does that make you feel more comfortable? Well, it does for me in that it ensures that lack of centralized control. If there was one grand registry where you knew everything about every copy, where it is, what it says, you know, where, where it connects to, and so on. Could you commit fraud if you were strong and powerful enough over the areas of the world that you controlled? Yeah, you could commit fraud. You could get to them. But I don't care if somebody ruled the world. They could not get to all the copies of this because they're completely undocumented. They wouldn't ever know if they had finished the job. They would not have ever known if they got, you know, they got all the copies from this location. They don't want to know where they are. In other words, even if somebody ruled the world and, and people did exactly what they said, 
they would not be able to know where, because, I mean, there are copies still being unearthed. They would not be able to know where they are. They wouldn't be able to know how to account for them. And if they got all of them that they knew of, they still wouldn't know if they were finished the job because they don't know where the others are hidden. There's no registry of them. And somebody could have one in their, you know, back attic somewhere, not tell anybody. It's a beauty of that system that God has arranged it so that nobody can get their greedy, sinful hands on control of what the Bible says. Fascinating, isn't it? You just think about how somebody would perpetrate it, and you're like, I'm amazed at how God did it. The last objection about destroying false copies so that, you know, for the good, so that they don't destroy other copies and that that errors don't get propagated. Now, there was a vote that took place in the year 2000. Some of you here are old enough to actually remember it. Um, And a lot of attention was placed on Florida because the whole vote for the president came down to Florida. And it was really close. And they added up George Bush's votes here and they added up Al Gore's votes here. And if you stacked them up, you barely could tell the difference. They're just a few hundred votes more for George Bush. Well, people came to look at the stacks and they looked at the stacks and they got down like this and the stacks were up close and they were getting, my, my, it was close. But it does look like George Bush got a few hundred votes more than Mr. Al Gore. And then they turned and they saw all these votes sitting over in the corner. And they said, what are those? They said, oh, no, no, we disqualified those. Those weren't right. And the official said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You don't tell us that they weren't right. We want to look for ourselves and see if they weren't right. And for days and days, we watched people on TV holding these things up. And, and testing them to see if they were good or not. Now, what would have happened if the officials came and they're looking at the vote and they go, my, my, that vote is close. And then they see a big pile of ashes and they say, hey, what are all those ashes over there? Oh, those votes, there was something wrong with them, so we burned them. There were like 30,000 of them, and we burned them because they weren't good votes. You know, people voting for two candidates and things like that. Something something wasn't right with them, so we burned them. Well, wait a minute. You had 30,000 votes there that you burned so that we couldn't look at them? Oh, yeah, but they were no good. Don't you tell us they were no good. We want to see that they were no good. Do you understand now, if you destroy that evidence, you now create doubt in people's minds. Whereas if you leave it alone and you say, look, we set these aside because we deemed that they were wrong. Something was wrong with them. But we're leaving the evidence as is so you can also look and and see that they were that way. What happens with the Bible? There are copies that are made that are like these here. Okay, they have, there's something different about them. If you were the one that wrote it, it's fine for you to go, oh my, look at the mistake I did. And you can crumple it up and throw it in the fire. That's fine. But if you come back hundreds of years later and you find these 
and you say, you know what, I think that you know, somebody was having an off day when they tried to copy these, and that these, in fact, do not represent the original. It's the other 4,997 that do. What do you do with these wrong copies then? Destroy them? No. You can set them aside and say, we believe that there is a mistake here, but you leave the evidence alone. And then somebody else later can come and say, wait a minute, we want to look at it. And they can look and they say, all right, we actually agree with your assessment. They are not representative of the original. Does every copy of the Declaration of Independence around today, is, is every copy exactly right? No, but it's interesting that you said that we could re re recreate the Declaration of Independence today if the original were destroyed. You see how leaving the evidence as is actually helps instill confidence rather than detract from it. Because if copies were destroyed that didn't agree with the majority, why then we wouldn't know what they ever said. It would be like that vote. And you said, yeah, but these votes over here, why we destroyed them. So when it comes to, for instance, the Quran, they say, well, no, we destroy the inv invalid copies, and all of our copies agree 100%. Well, now that's a self-fulfilling statement, right? If they destroy any competing copy, of course their copies agree 100%. And they have an original, or at least so they say. Who would know if it were an original or not? You see, these things that seem at first to make it look like we have an unreliable transmission. In fact, is a genius of wisdom of God that he has instilled through the centuries to ensure that nobody can change and manipulate the word of God. It's fascinating. And interestingly enough, these copies go back, some of them in the extreme case are going back to a few dozen years after they were even written. That's the extreme case. It's fascinating. Uh, how God has instilled confidence uh, for us. Now, the Quran was written uh, 600 something years after Christ. Let's say 650. If anybody knows a sharper date, you can tell me later. But they're, thereabouts. Let's say 650 years after the time of Christ. That would be on our picture here. We'll put it. You know, we'll put that line somewhere like here. And at that time is when it was written in the Quran. Supposedly, Muhammad had said this: that Jesus was a prophet, and that the things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, called the Injil, that is the Gospels. These things are to be read by a good Muslim, and Jesus is to be regarded as a prophet. Now, of course, Muhammad would say he was a later prophet and thus a greater prophet, but put that aside for the moment. You tell this to someone who's Islamic today and say, now look at what the Lord Jesus said, and they say, yeah, but he didn't say that. That means that they're saying that copies were allowed to be made all the way up to the year 650, because when the Quran was written, it said, no, 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 the, the Gospels are good. That after that, 
the church got in there and said, all right, we want to change things now. And they introduced things like Jesus Christ claiming to be the Son of God. They introduced things like Jesus claiming to be, in fact, God manifest in the flesh and so on. They Could it have been possible that the church got together and did this? No, not, not the way God had these things copied. All right, few few things left over then. One is this. What do we do about the Old Testament? A lot of what was said here is about the New Testament and how it was copied. What about the Old Testament? Well, without going into great detail, we have a very, very powerful uh, thing to a believer that we don't have for the New Testament. We have the New Testament, which we understand to be reliably transmitted. And in the New Testament, we have the words of the Lord Jesus verifying the Old Testament. In other words, the Lord Jesus quoted from the Old Testament as it was at that day. And he says the scriptures cannot be broken. In other words, he was saying that however they were transmitted up until his time, what they had at his time were in fact the holy scriptures and that they in fact cannot be broken. And not one jot or tittle of the law will fail until all is fulfilled. So for the Old Testament, we have Christ's words in the New Testament that guarantees us that there was reliable transmission up until that time. And now you're going to be very hard-pressed to wonder how somebody could get a hold of all the Old Testament copies sometime after the time of Christ and change those. Next problem, then. There might be something scratching around your head this day today that says, well, wait a minute, this has kind of been enlightening, it's been very interesting, but, you know, there had to have been a time when the original was there. I mean, there was some time back when there really was only one copy. And it was sent somewhere. Maybe Paul wrote a letter to someone and sent it somewhere. And there was a time when somebody could have gotten a hold of it, maybe, before it really propagated. A couple of things. First of all, they might not have known that that was Holy Scripture when they got it. Be a little bit odd to start getting a hold of something that they did not yet know was Holy Scripture and start manipulating it. In other words, uh, they might not have known that it would be included in the Bible for centuries to come. The second thing is the wonderful thing about the gospel, as it is in the New Testament, is that the same gospel that Paul wrote to the Romans, he also wrote and sent to the Galatians in another letter. And it's verified in other books of the New Testament as well. In other words, to now say that somebody's going to get in and change the heart of what the gospel is, now they're going to have to get a hold of a letter that was sent to Rome, to a person there, uh, to an, a church there, get one that was sent to Galatia, get one that was sent... I mean, now, now you have another problem on your hands. With technology the way it was in those days, to do something like that would now be uh, an impossible feat. Well, the wonderful thing now is, with all of the copies that we have, there is no, no major doctrine that we hold in the Word of God that hangs in the balance on a questionable vote. 
meaning it doesn't hang in the balance on a questionable vote of these manuscripts as to what the original says. Isn't that fascinating? And the great thing is that in the very, very few cases where people are scratching their heads on the vote, saying, well, I wonder if the vote was this way or that way, we'll look at one of them. In those very few cases, we know where they are. In other words, we don't take the Bible and say, well, you know, every once in a while you have a close vote and because of that, we really can't rely on what's written here. No, 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 no. We know the location of them. And uh, it's extremely rare. Let's look at one of them. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, and look down at verse 5. Revelation 1 and 5. Look at the end of the verse. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How many of your Bibles say washed? Put up your hands. Unto him who loved us and washed us. Okay. Hands down. How many of your Bibles say a word that would mean either freed or loosed? Somebody has it, okay? Released. Released. Same same idea. Now, I'm no Greek expert or anything like that. Uh, I understand the way the word for washed and the word for freed or released or loosed. Uh, they're pronounced like this. Luo. Luo. Did you hear the difference? Now, suppose that you were, suppose that somebody was dictating. Let's say they wanted to mass copy the Bible, and you're all out there copying. And I'm reading in Greek, of course, and you're writing in Greek. And I get to that word, and I read Luo, or maybe I read Luo. And half of you write Luo, and the other half write Luo. You can see how easy that would be to happen. So, that is one of the very, very rare cases where we have to admit, yes, actually the vote is kind of interesting. And if you put a gun to my head and said, now tell me, Craig, which is it? Is it that under him who loved us and washed us from our sins? Or is it under him who loved us and released us from our sins? I might have to say, you know what? I might not know the answer to that till I get to heaven. Can you live with that? Because according to other scripture, has the Lord washed us from our sins? And according to other scripture, has he set us free from our sins? So is there any doctrine that's held in the balance as to this questionable vote? No, there isn't. The Bible has been written resiliently, meaning that when we come to a problem like that, it hasn't affected what the Bible is saying to us. Now, I honestly have to say I probably won't know until I get to heaven which, which idea was meant right there. But the Lord has seen to it that what is said in his word has been transmitted faithfully to today. And I can say, well, that's not a problem for me because look, over here I understand we're freed from our sins and over here I understand that we're washed from our sins. So praise the Lord for both of them. Right? 
So I, I pray that these things have helped us. Um, it, it's a bit interesting of a topic to me. And uh, if you haven't heard the argument before, you will hear it. And uh, what I like to do now is beat them to the punch. So I sat next to a Muslim woman on the plane. And before discussing Christianity and Islam, I said, have you ever heard it said that the Bible has been changed over the years and over the centuries? She said, yes, I have. I said, listen, if you don't mind looking, talking about 10 minutes, I'd like to show you how we know that it has not been changed. She said, okay. See, she had no defenses up because we hadn't been arguing yet about anything. And I hadn't shown her about what the scriptures actually say. So she didn't know that she needed this argument desperately. And since she didn't know she needed it so desperately, she was willing to hear me out. So I told her a little bit about how it was transmitted and so on. And she was, she was very impressed and said, well, wow, I guess, I guess it really would have been very difficult for somebody to get in and change it. I said, yeah, difficult. I think impossible. And then I said, would you like to know what it says? And now I turned her to some of the scriptures of the Lord Jesus and what he said in the Gospels, which the Quran says should be read, which Jesus spoke, which the Quran says, well, he was a prophet. Well, now, wait a minute. Where'd my, where'd my tool go? Where did my never failing argument go? And I, she took a, a Bible, by the way. She was going back to Pakistan. She took a Bible with her uh, that I was able to give her. And I, of course, don't have contact with her and, and pray that uh, it has done some good. Um, anyway, we'll, we can discuss these afterwards. We, we'll, we'll break now officially. And if people want to talk less formally or anything like that, they can come up and, and ask things. It's a quick question. question. How did you do all that in 10 minutes? Oh. <laughs> Managed to to get through. It was, I think, on the crossword page of those things in the magazines and some of the white space and just talked about them real quickly. uh, Ten minutes is all it took. It was somewhere around ten or fifteen, but it was very abbreviated. But she got the the gist of it that, you know, nobody could have gotten a hold of all of these. So, all right. Well, we'll, uh, why don't we close in prayer, and then if people want to, comment or ask questions or anything like that would be all informal then. Father, we thank you for uh, our time together. We pray that uh, our understanding of how you oversaw the transmission of your word through the centuries, we confess and wonder that we don't know that we could have devised any better plan for how we got our scriptures today. We wonder at the wisdom and the genius and how Uh, You left it out of greedy and sinful man's control and that you you kept it from uh, being possible for somebody to commit fraud on your word. Uh, We thank you for these things. Pray that it be helpful to us in our Christian life to know them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.